Eight. Welcome. We are uh, going to look at Shlach Lecha, the Parsha for the week, uh, at least in the diaspora, of course, in Israel. They are a week ahead um, for the next uh, few weeks. So I want to start with a, um, a thought from Ksav Kabbalah on the very first uh, Pasuk, or the second one, really, Shlach Lecha Anashim. So if you're with me in the art scroll, Chumash, uh, it's on page 798, the beginning of chapter 13. So it's Bamidbar, Hashem told Moshe, send men and let them uh, spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel. Now, this uh, episode is one of the very well-known events described in the Torah and one of the most perplexing events because as we know very well, the plan ended in catastrophe. It is recalled even to this day as one of the great um, uh, calamities of Jewish life. And I would say you could describe it as a seminal event in the sense that it anticipated future occasions where the Jewish people betrayed the word of God, uh, doubted uh, the ability of Hashem to bring them to their destiny. Uh, they criticized the land of Israel. They were guilty of Lashon Hara. All of these recurring um, like uh, tropes that have haunted Jewish history uh, until this day. But the mystery is why did it even happen? Why did they even send these people? Who wanted it? Whose idea was it? Of course, in retrospect, we wonder what was the need for this whole enterprise? So these questions, of course, are the classic uh, questions which confront anyone who opens the Chumash or who even hears the Torah reading uh, year by year when we get to Pashish Lachlacha. So my friend Ksava Kabbalah has a, a fascinating approach and insight into this uh, event, which, as always, is based on a close reading a close uh, sensitivity and alertness to the language of the Torah. So the first passage, the passage base says, their uh, mission was, Hashem told Moshe, send men who will spy out the land. That's how the art school people render it. However, Ksavat Kabbalah has the following suggestion. He says the word vayasuru, vayaturu, from the word like latur, tough vav resh. He says it means, it comes from the word heter. Heter is to resolve or to undo. Lahatir is to release. That's why we say like a heter, a halachic heter. If there's something that you want to do or circumstances are such that you are, uh, let's say, um, uh, uh, in, a, in a circumstance in which it's difficult or problematic to adhere to a certain halachic, maybe stringency or circumstance, and you seek a heter, you seek a lenient ruling. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Uh, you know, a rabbinic authority might have a stringent or a lenient ruling, depending on the circumstance. I'm just saying the word heter means to release or to resolve or to untie uh, a, a knot which is tied is a kasher. When it's untied, then it's lahatir. Says Ksava Kabbalah, the word vayaturu, it means heter suffolk. What is the meaning? That if a person is curious, if he wants to know about a certain circumstance or a certain place, he wants to explore it 
one who goes Latur, their purpose was Vyasuras Eretz Kenan to seek to resolve the uncertainty. What is the uncertainty? So the uncertainty is what's the land all about? Uh, of course, uh, he says that uh, um, Hashem had assured them that it is a wonderful land and all of that. Nevertheless, in order to like uh, uh, strengthen their resolve, in order to enthuse them about the land, so one who goes to explore uh, is is a tayar because he wants to, as I say, uh, clarify, resolve the answer. It's a journey of discovery. In fact, even the English word discovery means to discover, to remove the covering, to reveal that which is within a discovery. So they went on a journey of discovery. He says that the Torah tells us, do not seek to like satisfy your curiosity. Uh, the Torah says you may be curious about the things which your heart or your eyes contemplate or imagine. A person says, you know what? I've never been to a gentleman's club. I wonder what it's like there. There's certain things that the Torah says it's better not to know. Don't be led astray to search out and to kind of, of allow your curiosity to lead you in all different directions. Curiosity killed the cat. That's lo sasur Latur is to seek to resolve the uncertainty, the curiosity. That is one approach which he mentioned, which I think is very clever because, as I said, the word Latour related to the word heter. Heter in the sense of not, not, not to permit, but to resolve, to resolve some uncertainty. Like I say, person wants to discover, he wants to, to explore. That's what it means. But then he says something which is Absolutely classic. In fact, I saw this quoted in a sefer um, that I that I had maybe thirty years ago, my early years in the outreach uh, endeavor, and I have uh, mentioned it in the past over the years. And then uh, I looked it up actually in, inside also years ago uh, because I found in my copy of Ksava Kabbalah, which I've got right here, that I I can't really read it. No, because it's all blurred. Anyway. I found it, uh, I had uh, underlined it, but now having learned together as we have now for a number of months, the writings of Sava Kabbalah, so I can appreciate how this is a classic uh, example of his approach. So I, I said a few minutes ago in my little intro that the catastrophic outcome of this um, plan uh, is of such a um, uh, sort of... Uh, uh, stature, the calamity is to the point that we wonder why did they even endeavor to this to go, to do this in the first place. So Ksava Kabbalah says he quotes, he says like this: Yesh hevdel ben tar lemaragel lerav shadal. Now it's interesting. Ksava Kabbalah quotes a, a range of authorities, including quite a few authorities who were like uh, contemporaries or recent. Um, commentators in his time, writing in the uh, mid-19th um, mid century. So he quotes quite a few who were uh, 
you know, recent writers, including some that we don't hear that much about nowadays. And one of them is uh, Shadal. Shadal is Shmuel David Lutzato. He's actually very well known to uh, scholars of Jewish history, Jewish intellectual history. In his day, he was one of the leading uh, rabbinic scholars and kind of academic scholars of the age. He taught in the rabbinical seminary in Italy. He lived in Padua. He was from the famous Luzzato family, uh, but he's somewhat controversial. He had some ideas which were fairly radical, and he's actually, for that reason, not widely quoted nowadays in traditional sources. But Xavier Kabbalah was, uh, uh, I've seen already on many times, was happy to quote him, and this is one of the brilliant insights that he attributes to Rav Shmuel, uh, uh, Shmuel David Luzzato Shadal. So he says that there is a difference between tar and Miragel. We remember these uh, scouts as the Miraglim, and we call it the Chetam Miraglim, the sin of the spies. But if you pay close attention, as we should pay close attention, they were not sent as spies. It says, They should go Latur. And later on, it says that the people, um, a few verses later, look in Pesach Tes Zion, in verse 16, are These are the names of the men that Moshe sent to spy out the land. But Latur really means something different. And what is the difference? A Meragel is a spy. A, a, a Tar, like the word Tayar in modern Hebrew, Tayar, of course, is a tourist. There's a big difference, a world of difference between a spy and a tourist. Um, uh, it uh, happens to be uh, timely because there were Israeli tourists in Istanbul, as there are always a lot of Israeli tourists there. And recently, some of them got a message from the Shin Bet that they better hightail it back to Israel. Don't go back to your hotel because Iranian assassins are waiting for them. Uh, so those are the spies and the tourists. The Israelis were going as tourists, but uh, some other visitors to uh, Istanbul had a different agenda. So the uh, uh, Ksava Kabbalah says that they were sent Latour, a Tayar goes to a place in order to see that which is um, appealing, that which is beautiful. He goes to the, the beauty spots. He wants to see the beautiful vistas, the beautiful, the, the natural beauty, or maybe the architectural beauty. He wants to see that which is appealing and attractive and delightful in the country or the city where he's visiting. The spy, of course, has exactly the opposite agenda. He wants to see where are the, the, the like the seedy parts of town. He wants to know where the weaknesses are. He wants to meet the people in the underworld who are living in the margins and the shadows, who he can corrupt, who he can bribe, who can disclose to him information, which maybe is... Uh, classified you know, information. The tourist doesn't have any interest in that. He's going to have a good time. The spy has a completely different agenda. Says Xavier Kabbalah, I'll just give you a few examples. He says, the um, that the Aaron, the Ark of the Covenant, went before the, the camp of the Jewish people to seek out a resting place for them. It says, We have uh, in, in uh, the beginning of Dvarim, uh, in the first chapter of Dvarim, where you can encamp. The land that I have given them in Yechezkel. And as we mentioned just 
a few minutes ago, which is to uh, like pursue the ta'anugim, the pleasures, the delights, experiences which are maybe very attractive, maybe, you know, gratifying different forms of, uh, you know, uh, perhaps um, illicit uh, forms of pleasure or gratification do not be led astray after your heart and after your eyes that's los sasuru the word latour but in the case of the word maragel of course that means a spy the classic instance at least the first instance is when yosef's brothers came to mitzrayim of course they didn't go as spies or as tourists they went on a business trip they went to buy provisions but they were shepherding shepherded into his um chamber and he said to them yosef said to them of course they did not know he was yosef and he said the famous words Meragli matem basim. you are spies you've come to see the nakedness of the land because that's what a spy does he goes to see that which is usually um covered over which is usually not uh visible or not accessible not, not on display the tourist wants to go to see what's on display the spy wants to see what's not on display that's erva sa'aris the nakedness of the land that which is usually covered you want to expose it because you guys are spies that was his his uh um uh, allegation against the brothers of course he had his own reason for it i'm just interested now in the, the use of the word maragel lirosis ervas arts and we have uh, many other instances of that uh where the word regel maragel uh, uh, appears and here's a very useful one because it's so relevant to every person all the time it says in Telem, lo ragel alishono that his tongue does not uh, he's not um, accustomed to Lashon Hara, Loragel a, 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 a Ragel is someone who speaks uh, uh, like to reveal that which is unpleasant, to reveal that which is negative, malevolence. This is a person who is, uh, you know, worthy. Loragel Alishono, he doesn't speak disparagingly of others. That is the person who avoids Lashon Hara. So Ragel is always to say something disparaging, something negative. And that's what they went to do. They were not sent to do that. They were sent as Tayarim to bring back a good report. What was the whole point of the mission? So of course, there's no need for Moshe or even for the people to have a confirmation of the divine assurance that this is a land flowing with milk and honey. But nevertheless, to enthuse them, to give them the sort of um, a first-hand report by a friend or a relative, because each shevet, each tribe had their own representative. It means that every member of Klal Yisrael would have a cousin, you know, maybe a distant cousin, but someone from his tribe whom he knows, whom he looks up to, who he respects, and that person will come back and give a first-hand account of what he saw. According to this, the question of why this mission was even undertaken is greatly diminished. The question is to a great extent resolved. They were not sent to spy the land at all. They were sent Latour to go as tourists, to see the beauty of the land, to come back with some snapshots, to send posts on Instagram or Facebook, you know, some, uh, uh, you know, examples of the beautiful vistas and the beaches and the fields and the other wonderful and a appealing features of the land of Israel. This was their mission, but they perverted and distorted their mission. They chose for reasons which we'll have to explain maybe another time, 
They corrupted their mission. And although they were sent la tour as tourists, but they became through their own choice, Miraglim. And indeed, when they returned, although they did acknowledge the goodness of the land, but they were also very determined to malign the land. Eris Ocheles Yoshveha, a land which consumes its uh, inhabitants, etc. Just want to add on that, um, not from my own uh, edition, it's here, Ksava Kabbalah, he adds another paragraph that uh, beautifully substantiates this. We find later on in the book of Devarim, uh, the, uh, chapter one in Deuteronomy, verse 24. So there uh, we have in Devarim, much of Devarim is a recapitulation. It's called Mishnah Torah. The word Deuteronomy means exactly that. It's a second telling. And we have a kind of um, succinct summary of many events that are described earlier in the Torah, including our subject right now. If you want to take a look uh, in uh, page 944, if you've got the art scroll Chumash, it's, chap- it's in Dvarim, chapter 1, verse 24. The Torah here briefly in a, a number of verses um, recapitulates the events described at greater length in our Parsha. And they turned and they ascended the mountain. And they arrived at the valley of Eshkol. That's where the clusters of grapes were um, were uh, uh, taken from there, and they spied it out, and then it says, they took in the hand some of the produce of the land, they brought it back to us, they they responded, they brought back a report, and they said, very goodly is the land that God is giving us, the next one says, you didn't want to ascend to the land. But according to what we just read, these two, three verses, it's a mystery. Why did they not want to ascend? The Torah says they went to this particular place. They spied it out. They uh, brought back some of the produce and they said the land is very good. So, um, or good, they said the land is good. And they showed them the evidence of it, those beautiful fruits, the produce. Then it says, you didn't want to go. Why not? Says Kabbalah, it would seem that the main point is missing from this summary. The main point is that they maligned the land. They disparaged the land. That's the main point of it. But here in this summary, it doesn't mention that. Says Kabbalah, according to his explanation, there's nothing missing here. When the Torah says, osa, they spied it out. The word v'yaraglu, that uh, verb already indicates that they came back with a hostile report because since their purpose was to spy it out and we said the word ragel is always associated with maligning or disparaging uh uh you know uh, report looking for that which is negative so therefore the torah says that already means they disparaged it they also acknowledge that the fruit of the land is wonderful and the land is a good land but already incorporates it already indicates that they had a hostile report in this brief summary it doesn't mention the content of the hostile report because uh, because that is already like alluded to in the word of course in our parsha where the torah narrates the events in greater detail we do have an account of how they disparage the land the people are too powerful and the land consumes its inhabitants as well etc so what we've seen here is uh, the very astute and fine, but but uh, 
a brilliant distinction between a tayar, a tourist, and a maragel, a spy. They went as Latour, but they perverted their mission and instead they became spies. And that is the negative, disparaging report that they came back with. We've got time for one further uh, comment of Xava Kabbalah. This is quite, what I want to share with you now is quite, um, I don't want to say the word radical, but imaginative, creative. And I know that I say that nearly every week, perhaps every single week. And I believe it's true every week. So turn with me, please, to chapter 14, verse 21. Now here, the Torah has narrated the... The Torah has narrated the uh, effect of this disparaging report, this the disillusionment, the terrible uh, uh, demoralization that set in. And the people said, it's a disaster. We'll never uh, enter the land. We're going to uh, you know, perish here. And uh, we'd like to go back to Egypt. We wish we never left. And Moshe is... Um, despondent, nearly despondent himself. Of course, he prays to Hashem uh, to, to, uh, for a, a reprieve. <clears throat> Yoshua and Kaleb, again, they tear their garments. They are beside themselves with, uh, with um, frustration and, and disappointment. And now we see the response. Now, Moshe uh, has a, an, a trump card to play in pleading on behalf of the Jewish people. So uh, I just actually want to start with a few verses earlier. Take a look in chapter 14, verse 15. So uh, Moshe says to Hashem that you took these people out of Egypt, but you know what will happen? That the Egyptians and others will say that you, Hashem, had the uh, power to take them out of Egypt, but you did not have the power to bring them into Canaan. Take a look at verse 15. You will kill this whole nation as one man, meaning all at once, you, if you kill them, which is what Hashem had proposed to do. The nations who heard about your achievements, now they will say, because he wasn't able, God was not able to bring them into the land. Therefore, he slaughtered them in the wilderness. He didn't have the power, didn't have the strength, didn't have the the uh, the clout or the capacity to put it in the maybe slightly simplistic, very simplistic uh, imagination of the ancient pagans. The God of Israel was more powerful than the gods of Egypt but not more powerful than the gods of the Canaan, of the Canaanim. And therefore he, he couldn't deliver his good, deliver on the goods, deliver on his promise. Therefore he killed them in the wilderness and the whole thing will, the whole, uh, you know, program, the whole uh, 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 effort will be in vain. And this will be a cosmic Chilul Hashem. And, uh, Therefore, Moshe goes on, and we have a few uh, components of the 13 attributes of mercy. So this is Moshe's uh, uh, effort, and his trump card, as I said, is, he says to Hashem, this will be a chilo Hashem if you kill them all as one man. So look at Sabbat Kabbalah, what he says about the response. 
So Hashem says, Hashem, I'm looking at Pasukhaf, verse 20. Such important words. I will forgive them. I have forgiven them in accordance with your words. But the next verse, here is where we have the very creative approach of Ksava Kabbalah. But as I live, and the glory of God shall fill the entire world. Etc. All the people, all the men and, and, and the women, well, maybe the women actually did not perish, but the men certainly did. The adults above the age of 20, they will not enter the land. Only their children will, and they will have to uh, wander in the wilderness for a total of 40 years, again, as is well known. The question is, what is the meaning of these words? As I live, and God's glory will fill all the land. So Rashi says here, you probably know, because we've got the scholars in coming to this uh, shiur. Vulam uh, says Rashi, Chai Hashem means an expression of a vow, an oath. Chai Ani. Take a look at Rashi for those who have Rashi in Pasuk Chapalav. Chai Ani, as I live. Rashi says, just as I live and my glory fills the whole world, similarly I will fulfill my, my uh, uh, plan. So Hashem says to Moshe, I've forgiven them, I won't kill them all at once, but I will ensure their death over the course of the next uh, 40 years, total of 40 years, and only their children will come into the land. So let me finally get to the point what Ksava Kabbalah says. And Sforno also says like this, as well, he quotes of Rabbi Avadio Sforno, says Ksava Kabbalah, he says, if it weren't for the holy words of Rashi and Sforno and others, I would suggest the following. This is not a vow, because if it were a vow, it should say, Chai Ani, as I live, um, and, and, and as my glory fills the world. But he doesn't say, he says, in the future, my glory will fill the world. So therefore the, the tense is not quite um, consistent. It's not quite perfect here. Says Zaksavah Kabbalah, this in my view is not a vow. It's not an oath, but rather Hashem is giving Moshe some important information. Moshe had said, if you kill them all at once now, it will be a chilol Hashem. So Hashem responds, you know what? Chai ani, I live. I'm not in any rush. I've got lots of time. A person, a king or a potentate, a warlord or a, a totalitarian uh, tyrant, uh, you know, um, tyrannical ruler may seek to avenge himself on those who rebel against him in his lifetime because he thinks if I don't do it now I might die and I won't have a chance uh, revenge is sweet I want to avenge myself on my enemies right away Hashem said I don't have that problem my glory fills the whole world and I live forever therefore I'm not in any rush. I don't have to kill them all in a fit of peak. I'm not that way. You say that it will be a Chil Hashem, so you know what? I will let them live, 
and it will be a Kiddush Hashem, because I will sustain this nation not only for a few months in the wilderness. And from that point, by the way, they were leaving Har Sinai. They left Har Sinai only a few weeks before. They were literally en route to the land of Israel. They would have been there within probably however many days' journey. Instead, as we know, they took a further 38 years to get there. Hashem says, I will sustain them miraculously with the wellspring of Miriam, with the clouds of glory, with the manna from heaven. That will be a great Kiddush Hashem. That is to say, it will be a, I mean, not a Kiddush Hashem, that the fact that, that they're delayed, their, their entry to the land is delayed by 40 years, but it will be a manifestation of my ability to uh, like um, overcome nature and to bend nature to my purposes. And he says, there's a further benefit that will come from this as well. If they go into the land right away, which was uh, the original intention, then each one will go to his vineyard and to his orchard and to his field and he'll work the land. Each one has his nachala, his allocated portion. And that will be the, uh, uh, you know, th- that will be the end of this circumstance where they can learn from you day by day. And therefore, actually, there is going to be something positive that will result from the, their uh, sojourn in the wilderness. They will have the chance to learn from you day by day, to see you, to get to know you, to appreciate you. Each person will have a relationship with Moshe Rabbeinu, and in a certain way, the acquisition of the Torah will become more thoroughly um, uh, like uh, completed by the fact that this generation will live out its years, a total of 40 years here in the wilderness. So according to this approach, it's not that Hashem is taking a vow, so to speak, in, in uh, anger, but rather Hashem is saying, Chayani, I live, and therefore, you're right, I'm not going to kill them all at once, I don't need to, even though that was maybe how it seemed previously, I don't need to, on the contrary, I will sustain them, I will provide for them, I will enable them to become uh, uh, uplifted through their encounter and through this otherworldly existence in the wilderness for all of those for all of those years. So just to summarize, as we like to, I know our time is nearly up. Uh, we've seen today in the kind of uh, prelude to the sin of the spies itself, that they were sent via Turu. So the first thing he says is the word Latur comes from the word Heter, to resolve the curiosity, the uncertainty. They are going as explorers in order to discover what the land is all about. Then he says another approach, which is, doesn't contradict it, but it's another aspect of the word Latour, which is, as we said, a tourist. And of course, the word sounds the same in Hebrew and in English, really, interestingly enough. They went as Latour to tour the land. They went as tourists to bring back a favorable report. And that was their whole purpose. That was their mission. And that's what they were dispatched to do. But they perverted their mission. And instead, they became Miraglim. Instead of looking for the beauty, they looked for that which was negative. And indeed, they brought back a disparaging report about the land. And then we've just said now, Chayani, which according to Rashi and many other Mepharshim, would seem to be a vow, an oath, and maybe taken, so to speak, in anger, not that Hashem actually gets angry, but as if he was sort of expressing his 
his anger. But according to Sephorn, according to Kabbalah, Chayani, I've got time, says Hashem. I don't need to kill them now, and I won't. I will allow each one to live out his life, a natural lifespan, until the next generation comes, and I will take them into the land, and that will enable the Jewish people to acquire the understanding of the Torah in a way that would otherwise not be possible if each one rushed to his um, uh homestead within the land of Israel. So thank you uh, again. I apologize for the, my absence last week through circumstances beyond my control. Just want to say that my son-in-law said, it's very apropos, Abba, that you're here for an extra day because we're reading Parsha Shlach Lecha because in Israel they did read it last Shabbos. So therefore you are um, sort of uh, destined to extend your uh, visit to the land of Israel and to see what wonderful things are. And by the way, I'm speaking to Shalasudis at Kesher for those who are local to us on uh, my uh, uh, explorations of the land of Israel and uh, when I was there last week. So uh, wish you Shalom. What is your Pirkei Avos topic? At what time does it start? Pirkei starts at 8.10 and the topic is uh, what is the topic? It's quite a clever Greek. topic. It's Greek to me. Uh, yeah, made in Athens. Thank you. Yeah, Kirk Ava said eight ten, and the subject is made in Athens. So please uh, join us for that, and uh, we look forward to seeing you. Shabbat shalom. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Thank you. Last week, last week, we missed Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you from Toronto. Thank you. Who's here from Toronto? Thelma Elzaf. Uh-huh. How about Great. that? Welcome, yeah. Selma. How did you hear about it? It's a wonderful treat in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> where, where did you hear about it from? Just I curious. don't know, but I've been on your, I've been getting your emails, and at three o'clock on Thursday, I'm here. That's okay. Will you spread the word? Yeah. I will believe later. I will try. It's okay. wonderful. Great. Thank you. Yes, Koach, and have a good Shabbos. Thank you. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Thank you, Rabbi Simon. Good Shabbos. <laughs>